Chapter Tactics. This is your 4 to key podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 4 to key competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me, we've got three wonderful chuckle hosts. Uh, they are all delirious, missing sleep, and overly socially stimulated. That is Val Heffelfinger, Ahoy. Peter the Falcon, <laughs> and Scarry from Scardcast. So we're allowed to talk now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. You can talk Perfect. now. Let it rip, bud. I'd appreciate it if you talked. So if you're watching uh, live on Facebook, you can see all of our beautiful mugs. However, if you're not, you can't. That's totally okay because you can listen to us talk. And let me tell you that that site is a lot better mm, than yeah. looking at One, us talk. 100%. So 110%. Uh, this is the episode. This is the obligatory Las Vegas Nopin react and review episode. Uh, I am so excited to be bringing this episode to you. I had a great time watching people play and talk about 40k from my little tiny Samsung Galaxy S7. Uh, it tried its best. It's it's. I think it's about time to put it to pasture. It's like five years old now, uh, but watched the whole thing. A very busy weekend, and these three lovable dudes all brought it to you. So before we begin, quick round of applause for them. I just want to say that it was mostly the Falcon and Val and like Adam Camilleri and all and the folks behind, yep. and you know Paul Murphy and all the. I I just showed up for like <laughs> for 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 three hours and a half or something. I mean, you that's all I you did. table bossed uh, at you, like two in the morning for over. us um, in that first day, right? You were you that's were true. Good boss I, on that, that was yeah yeah I did table boss. That was fun. <laughs> and you uh you went over and did some uh, yeah. bilingualism. Over on the, I, uh, on I the got deep to speak game a channel. lot of That's Spanish. True. Okay, okay. So, and, and I believe at one point they had more viewers. They, at all points, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if there was a point we passed them. They're rabid enthusiasts. Uh, it was crazy. Okay, so apart from the table ball saying and the exhibition game, what exactly. have I ever done for you? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm glad you appreciate that. <laughs> well, anyways, we're going to talk about it. It was a great, great weekend. We're going to talk about all the highlights, all the things we liked uh, and loved. Just a lot of the roller coasters and the drama. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the winning list, the winning, the top four lists or all the lists that per- overperformed, did really well, all that good stuff. In case you missed it all, you can always head on over to twitch.com slash frontline gaming underscore TV. That's the frontline gaming Twitch page. You can watch all of them there. You can also go to YouTube. Uh, I think they're on Facebook. So if you go into the Frontline Gaming page on Facebook, or you can go to any one of our stream affiliates, all the people that helped bring it all together and check out their channels too. And then while you're at it, subscribe to everything you possibly can. If it's free and takes a button to help them out, do it. We're also going to talk about the future of 40k competitive streaming. Uh, I Not competitive streaming like streams competing with each other, but competitive 40k streaming specifically. There was a lot that I know Val and Peter learned about the stream, uh, but there was also a lot I learned about the stream just by watching it. Uh, a lot of it, it was potential stuff that I had never really thought about. Uh, kudos to Val and Peter for really putting together good production that uh, was entertaining all the way through. And of course, Adam and the Paul Murphy bring it all together as the Colin, Chris Collinsworth, <laughs> uh, I almost said anyways, as the premier 40K broadcasters. Um, I think they've cemented their status as that, and I loved having them on, loved listening to them, and all that good stuff. So we're also talk about shout that. out to Steve Joel, like Steve Joel. Oh yeah, oh Steve Joel. Moly, that like song, like 
got me in my in my feels is like at the end there. Oh, so nice. Anyway, I was like heartwarming. Wait, I had that song stuck in my head all day. That's great. All day. Did it go viral? I was really hoping. I put it oh, up immediately. It, it, whatever it's at, I don't care what number is at, it's criminally underviewed. Whatever, I don't even know what number it's at. It's criminally underviewed. I woke That's... up in a cold sweat because I forgot to put his name in the title of it. I'm like, no! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I just ran to my computer and updated it as fast as I could. Um, he definitely could have. He definitely could have put like 40k parody, Frank Sinatra, My Way, all that stuff, and definitely could have pushed it. But he didn't. He was very humble about no, it. No, no, that was me. I wrote it. So like now, like so, you do the thing where you get people to click on your things. Let's go. Make it happen. Okay, Fix great, it. perfect. We'll we'll do that. Or you already did that. No, not. But anyways, really. well, you know what, guys, I'll look at the title. Everybody, guys, go to reviews. 40k Game Changers on YouTube if you haven't already. Steve Joel. He's he's incredible. This is what these guys are trying mm-hmm. to say. He's got a, an amazing podcast on the FLG network that's just getting better every episode because he is probably the best um, podcaster in the entire world. His voice is incredible. He's, he's an, an abs- absolute hero, and he sang a parody of My Way for us to end our show that was absolutely intense and glorious. If you haven't heard it yet... Go do it. Give him money. Whatever you need to do. I don't even think he cares about money. He's just such a glorious bastard, and I love him. Oh, yeah. 100%. As, as someone who listens to more parodies of songs than actual songs, it was easily one of my favorites. Top three favorite Pablo parody on the internet. Top three. That's big. Top top three is big. It's it's huge. My it's Patreon question will be, what are the other two? <laughs> Let's uh, continue. You know what? <laughs> Anyways, moving on. We have a new sponsor of the Frontline Gaming Network, and by new sponsor, I mean sole-only sponsor now, and that's Frontline Gaming. Frontline Gaming, your one-stop shop for all tabletop goodies. That's right. The ads are gone. No more McDonald's. Say goodbye to Pepto-Bismol and all of those other random ads you've been hearing. But how will I remember to watch the Unsolved Mystery or listen to the Unsolved Mystery podcast? Because that's the only one I ever got. Well, I only ever got McDonald's. Same. I think I think you get whatever. It's, it's supposed to be to based you. on your like mm-hmm. location because at first I remember like no Canadians got any. We just like, got silence. You'd be like, cut yeah. to ad, and then just be nothing yeah, for the, ten seconds. Yeah, I got the the podcast one as well, uh, Val. One hundred percent. Hey, I'm glad. You know what? Frontline Gaming is the big papa. This is the Frontline Gaming Network. Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. gonna be exciting. So. And now the Frontline Gaming ne- Frontline Gaming is going to be the official only sponsor of the Frontline Gaming Network. So you get to hear us talk a little bit more about Frontline Gaming on the podcast and replacement of your regularly scheduled, sometimes too loud, random advertisement. So gotcha. moving into that real quick, there's one new product and then we'll jump into the episode. Frontline Gaming now is officially going to have a uh, tournament Fast Pass. I, th- I forgot the exact name of it. Uh, it's essentially it's a bunch of different tournament entries into frontline gaming events uh, that you buy, and it lasts through 2022. So you you pay a flat fee, $220, um, and I think you get three uh, entries to FLG events. So like the LVO, the BAO, the SoCal Open, um, and then you get all of those off at a discount. You get a access early access to registration so you don't have to worry about catching a registration date and missing out which i know a lot of people do those events do sell out very fast uh and then you just buy it early and just forget about it and wait you show up and then boom you're there uh it's great it's a great idea great product Uh, um like i said it's covid proof lasts through 2022 
go ahead and get that as well. Have you all bought your passes yet? All bought our passes? No, I have not yet. Right now, I'm, uh, but I'm very, very excited for when the uh, for when tournaments resume and I get to travel and go to events again. Oh yeah, I'm, like aching. My body is ready. I mean, I look forward to just when the border opens, just just drive down to it, test it out, cross it, mm, come back. Yeah, make sure it's <laughs> make sure it's still there. <laughs> just you know. Yeah, see how yeah. I feel. You know. <laughs> Let's, you know, just just warm up to it. I was actually joking with Reese. We got to get now that FLG is running uh, tournaments, you know, wherever. Um, why not Canada? Let's get them up. Let's get north of the border. Oh, here, we're guys. working on it too. So by by the end of by the end of twenty twenty two, we're probably going to have uh, fourteen major events run by Frontline Gaming, um, and we're looking for, you know, looking to run events everywhere. I'm definitely looking in the Toronto area for sure. Um, we've got a guy specifically that we hired that's just. His entire job is to go out and make, get events, get the venue set up, and make them run. It's exciting. It's going to be great. But oh, for now, for now we have. Um, I think we're adding four new events uh, by by this year and slash next year, and then from there we'll add more and more events too. So that uh, fast pass or the express pass, excuse me, is going to be more and more bang for your buck. Uh, the more events we have. Well, it's nice. You get a, you get to help out Frontline Gaming with a, with a bit of cash up front. You get a 25% discount. It's good all the way to the end of 2022. And hell, like I said, there's going to be an FLG tournament on every corner. You're going to have tons of opportunities to use the damn thing, so I think it's a great deal. Oh, yeah. And final thing on it, there's we're only limiting it to 300 of them for this first, for their inaugural year of them. So uh, by the time you listen to this, they might already be gone. You know, there's there's thousands of people that listen to the Frontline Gaming Network. You know, X amount of them are going to buy this Express Pass. So it might be gone by then, so hurry up. Go to FrontlineGaming.org, look up the Express Pass, and buy it. Do it. All right. Do it. Do it. On to the episode. The Las Vegas Nopin. Uh, uh, you know what? Skari, as someone who watched the Las Vegas Nopin, uh, table-bossed it, um, but wasn't necessarily behind the scenes the entire time, what was? What did you think? Um, how did you... How did, how did you react to it? How did you like it? I loved the Las Vegas Open. Um, I watched games all weekend long, and it was awesome to see so many different, like or like content creators and and known people in the Warhammer community come together to make something like this happen. It was also really inspiring and really cool to see what is possible, even if it wasn't. Like it was elaborate, there was a lot of work put into it, but it's like it's possible to do some crazy stuff, even when we're all like separated by hundreds of that, like thousands and thousands of like miles between us. An entire planet. The entire planet. We had people from Australia, Europe, the U.S., Canada. Like there was from all over, right? It was crazy how global this event was, without anybody being able to really leave their homes and it was it was incredible it was the format was fantastic a little bit of tweaking on like how the format works i could see this being something that could be like a yearly event and you could it, it would allow people who don't necessarily get to travel for whatever reason finance or whatever to be a part of something like global like this at, at a global stage it was it was incredible. The games were super fun. The level of sportsmanship was fantastic. The commentary was amazing. And there were options 
so that you could choose as a viewer, like, did you want to watch the commentary, right, that was going on throughout the games? Did you want to watch the Spanish commentary that was going on? Or did you want to watch the live feeds directly from the streaming, like, channels and listen to the players talk? So you personally had a choice to kind of, and I was honestly bouncing back and forth from, like, one to the other, to the other, and I, I found it very engaging and really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it, what I really loved about it also um, was I got to listen to personalities that I didn't really get to um, experience before, right? Like the the play on tabletop guys, like I, I watch some of their battle reports, but um, I don't personally follow along to their stream. I don't personally, I, I know Scuba Steve, uh, he's a really nice guy, but I've never seen him, you know, live uh, on stream before. Uh, and they were great. I love the Hellstorm gaming guys. They were awesome. I love Tank. Tank's really, really cool. I'd love to meet him in person, and hang out with him and play a game with him. Um, it, it was cool, and I, I imagine a lot of people echo that same sentiment. Uh, you know, they have their their big fandom or, or their stream that they watch regularly, uh, and that you know they if there was a list that their favorite content creator created uh, and it won, it got moved over to a completely different stream with new people watching it. And I know some people uh, might not have liked the every single pilot of every single army list. Uh, however, I didn't really take it as a, a competitive who's who, this is the best cutting edge stuff. I really took it more of like, these. this is, you know, 16 quality games being played uh, between two competitive lists and two individuals who play 40K regularly and are trying to put on a show for you. Uh, so yeah. it, it was really less of a tournament uh, and more of just uh, an event, right? right? Some Something big. Yeah, the event aspect was was, I think, what really set the whole event apart. Oh, because... Yeah. You know, it was really about the lists and stuff, and and people kind of tuned in to watch their favorite players play, and were cheering on, and you know there was like, bra like people got got to sort of like pick their own bracket, and it was all in like a fantastic cause, right? You know, COVID relief, um, you know, and we smashed the goal globally. So huge shout out to everybody. I'm sure you know uh, Falcon. You'll kind of touch more on that, but. It was such a fun experience, and I it just the the 40k community felt a buzz globally. Like you could feel the energy kind of like oozing out of the screen because we've all been aching for it for so long. <laughs> Something to like, you know, that we could all kind of enjoy together. You know, like we normally do the large super majors where everybody's super invested and things like that. And it was it was great to finally sort of have that feeling after so long of being isolated. Absolutely. Now, Val and Peter, the, I know the two of you are very, very, very tired. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the only person who would be able to pull full energy after that long, grueling weekend is Adam Camilleri. Uh, however, right there with him. <laughs> um, however, um, I he pitched I'm, covering the ATC like this, uh, like as we were trying to like go to bed last night. So it's like, yes. Paul Murphy, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, so, so I, I love that they're always on point. Um, but you know, obviously you guys did a really great job and, uh, I know you're tired, but what, what are some, what are some of the things that really surprised you about the Las Vegas Open from the community? Uh, what were some things that you were really proud of, uh, that you accomplishments? Um, and then is there anything that you want to improve on, uh, for both of you, Peter and Val? I mean, there was a lot that went really well that I was very happy with. The streamers, all of them really gave it their all. They, and I think most importantly, and you kind of touched on it. They, the amount of sportsmanship, the good time everybody was having playing these games, um, that was amazing to me. That was the best part. 
to watch these guys because most of them are good friends. That's why they were allowed to play together. Or, like they work together. But like there's often and we touched on this on Stat Center before, we've touched on this on this podcast. There's often kind of a stigma about competitive play that it's all about being extraordinarily serious and this is how things work. And um it's win at all costs. And a lot of the people we had on these streams were very competitive players. And they all put on such an amazing show. Like they're all people. And it was it was a beautiful thing. And that was the thing I enjoyed the most. Like when I tuned in to play on Tabletop's first game. It it starts off and people were, were like, man, this seems pretty beer hammer to me from like the competitive side. But as the game progressed and they they got into the nitty gritty, um, like they kept that demeanor. Yep. But it was actually ex- an extremely close competitive game. Um, it was very fun to watch. Uh, the tabletop titans guys knocked it out of the park as always. Hellstorm Wargaming the same. Like and you could tell all these people all they wanted to do was entertain the crowd. Like that was it. That was the only thing they cared about. It was the only thing they were worried about was that they were disappointing people. And that touched me greatly. Um there's a lot of little things that we need to fix. Some big things, but they're low-hanging fruit. Um and I'm really looking forward to touching on them. We can, I'll let Val talk some because I'm blabbering, but I'm really excited. I I I was very impressed with the vast majority of how this turned out. Uh, yeah, I think, I guess both Pete and I are fortunate that, you know, we've gotten to go to a lot of big events, and, and uh, I think I think I'd personally met a good chunk of everyone who was, was actually involved on it, which is pretty wild to think about, um, and it was just so cool how much they all showed up, like, you know what I mean? The, I, I think that was a genuine concern of mine, was, was uh, uh, literally, are they going to show up? Like, is someone going to be like, oh, that was this weekend? You know, like... Kind of, you you never know when you're imagining something like this, like how seriously anyone's going to take it. But I got to say, like probably set by <laughs> Pete sets a pretty blistering pace when he's got a when he's got a bone in his mouth. So I think people knew not to mess around, um, and uh, they all showed up. Like, um, and it was just so cool to just see how you know things started on time. For the most part, they finished on time. How 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 um, like like the vibe of all of them were smiles and all that kind of stuff. Like. Um, just, that's why I really, about halfway through it, um, like with the Steve Joel's video, cause he'd sent us that my way video. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do with this thing. Cause it was really funny, but like, also what do we do with this? And about halfway through, I was sufficiently sappy to be like, we need a montage. We need, we're going to need a montage with this mother sucker. It's got to happen. And so, uh, and so we started, cut, I got the Spanish guys somehow on the fly, like do the, uh, do the my way at the end. It was just, it was cool how it all just pulled together and um before it was, our very eyes. It was so good everybody so, so good. involved was so flexible and so like they just wanted to help um like schedules i tried to keep the schedule as t- as close to the original as possible no matter what happened but anytime there was a change literally everybody stood up I'd be like, hey, guys, I might need somebody at a 6 o'clock. Your time, is that okay? Immediately. Oh, yeah, who cares? We'll we'll make some changes. That's fine. Um, Scary and Dustin. Dustin was like a wild man behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff people didn't see um, where we had some scares happen throughout the two-week setup, as you're going to have, where I had to just like message Scary and J- uh, Dustin and be like, hey, listen, I don't know if this is going to happen. Are you able to do X? Can you do this? Like, uh, and they yeah. immediately, like, there was no questions asked. Dustin was like, "Yeah, sure. Let me go over to uh, my neighbor owns uh, these models. I'm gonna go get them. I'm gonna, uh, I'll go to the GW store if I have to." Like, these guys were just like going all out. 
um, the Art of War guys when they were kind of trying to get closer to what the final lists would be. They they were messaging me. They're like, hey, it's, there's a chance it's sisters versus sisters. I don't think we have that many like retributors, but what we can do is I can crack this box. I can make these guys. I can throw some milk. Like they were like kit bashing models um, the day of the event just in case they had a mirror match. Like there there was a lot behind the scenes um, of these like incredible people trying to make this. Um, look good for everybody. And I was so, I, I, I can't thank them enough for that. Yeah, the, lo the logistics of it, just the fact that everyone had all the parts that they needed, that the lists were written and coordinated in a timely fashion to make sure everyone could get it all together. It was just, it was just neat as hell to just see it all come together. And again, driven by a lot of good coordination and, and management and participation by everybody. And um, like on the like streamer side of thing too, I'm pretty sure I'm not talking out of mass when I say that literally everyone had their best live stream performances. Am I, I, I think that's correct. I think I saw tabletop, sorry. Uh, even the Titans set, oh, set yeah. themselves a viewership yeah. record. I'm looking to somebody confirm or deny that. Um, so, you know, all the, all the littler streams that deserve a lot more recognition because of all the effort and, and, and time and, and, and money that they are poured into these things that, you know drawing 100 people school but it's cooler to draw 200 you know so um i think uh i think it's just great and a lot of those guys got to got to strut their stuff even um like i didn't realize how tight the production value was over at stutter scrap these guys got like the whole thing's a green screen it's fabulous so i don't know i just was was just over the moon with the whole thing yeah yeah, it was yeah really I, fun. I, I love that this was so we've had other collaborative events in the past in 40k but i love that this is the biggest one uh, and this was this one came at a time when you wouldn't think these kind of collaborative things would happen, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's just like like the that celebrity princess bride thing where all the celebrities reenacted mm -hmm. the movie The Princess Bride, or like all those oh, collaborative yeah. events that that were the, you know these. You know, celebs. I've never drawn that. I've never put that together. This is kind of similar vibe to that. Yeah. It's definitely the biggest 40k collaborative event we've had as a community in the competitive 40k community side. I don't, I don't know, period, but it's definitely, as far as I can remember, it's definitely the biggest one. Um, it's involved so many people. Huh? He has to step away. Uh, anyways, it's involved so, <laughs> it's involved so many people. Um, you know, like you said, people behind the scenes too. Um, and it, everyone works together towards this one goal. And there was, there's really it was really wholesome too. Like there wasn't like a, it was for charity. Uh, it, there wasn't a, a, a real grand prize to win or anything. It was really just a bunch of people just doing this out of the kindness of their hearts. Right. And obviously for the views uh, that, that I'm sure that didn't hurt as well either. Um, but moving forward, I love what this means for our community, right? Uh, you have the ability to create these collaborative streams on and get together and really push events so moving forward, I definitely see why Magic the Gathering, um, and I'm using them for example because I feel like they have a very sophisticated, or at one point had a very sophisticated uh, way they handled their personalities and their content creators. Uh, and essentially in Magic, top players and personalities, they get buys. They get uh, encouraged to get put onto the top tables because they do have the showmanship to put on a good show. Uh, and going into... 40k streams in the past you wouldn't always get that right so sometimes you would get someone who is brand new to the stream versus brandon grant round one uh and although you know brandon is a consummate professional would always put on a good show on stream uh, his opponent wouldn't and that's wouldn't necessarily fault his opponent because 
you know, he's, he's new. Uh, now, moving forward, we've kind of, I feel like we've kind of set a precedent as a community that says, look, these are our established personalities. These are the guys and gals that are going to bring in the views for your stream. They're going to they're gonna put your major on the map in one way or another. So get them on stream, even if they're not in the top table. Uh, next year, uh, when we're picking people for the stream, you can bet your butt that I'm going to get you know, uh, one of the people from the Las Vegas Nopen on, even if they've both already dropped a game and are not in contention, because they're going to put on a good show uh, and people are going to want to see them, right? And that wasn't always the case previously with other majors, as I think the three of you kind of already know, because you, you do have kind of a beat on that. So I'm excited. Good times. Yeah, no, it's, I think that it really showcased sort of like, the, the, there's so much potential in some of the creative stuff that we can do as content creators in a worldwide scene where, you know, using the community as a whole, we can really kind of get some crazy ideas going, you know? And I think that's really cool to to think of. Like, when, when it comes down to, like, who to get involved, how, how it's going to work, how you coordinate everything, how much time and effort is going to go into something like this. You know, I think that there's a lot to be said about what can be done as a community. And I'm like, I, for one, I'm super, super excited that I, that I got to be a part of it in its like infancy. Yeah. Now, Val and Peter, what are, what are some things that you're really excited to do? Um, obviously we, hopefully we never have another Las Vegas Nopen. Hopefully next year the Ocho is going on uh, and you know it's bigger and better but what are some like quick things that you think you think you can do that you want to do that the community should get excited about seeing i mean there's there's some definite improvements we're going to make um because we do want to do this again um maybe not even in within a year maybe within five months six months whatever um just because we it became so clear there's some things we could just easily fix a lot of this because it was done in basically four weeks time there were logistics that we just focused on more than others. Um, I know there was a lot of complaints about people getting to carry their list into the second round when others couldn't, and therefore they were kind of at a disadvantage, and we totally knew that was going to be a thing. Um, there was kind of a hope that they'd, they'd muddle through, and we saw that in a couple cases, like Mikey from Hellstorm. Um, he made mistakes, but he played a pretty decent game into tank. Um, if he had been a little more aggressive turn one, he probably wins that game, but he just was used so used to tank um, making all those shield wall saves, so he was a little too worried when he didn't really need to be, um, and that lost him that game. But, like, you know, we also saw, you know, play on tabletop, take on TJ's uh, triple big boy list and really have no idea how to properly run it. Um, and, that, and, like, that's just going to happen. We knew it was going to be a thing. Um, we just wanted to make sure that we they put on a great show for charity, and they did, and, we, like, we couldn't be happier about it. Um, but next time, we're looking at a few other options. Some people suggested we make all players second round play a, a new list. Um, we thought about that in the in the like the setup, and we decided we wanted games to actually finish, which I feel wouldn't happen if both players had no idea how to play the play the list they were given. Um, but we're probably going to do like a remote coaching, um, where we get say Siegler's list goes to the second round. He gets to call in to Mikey or whoever's playing his list and and like walk him through 
Yeah, just, straight just up walk dub. him through how to play the game, uh, play the yeah. list, so that he can, you know, make the mis- the decisions, and and Richard gives him advice, however you want to do it, um, and same for the opponent. And that way, we can we can clear some of those hurdles to just make the games um, a little closer when when they may not have been otherwise. So that's a big one we're going to push forward for. I have some. I think too. I think too. If you did it again, I think <laughs> maybe people didn't really cons like. I, for example, Space Marine Steve. I don't think he thought for for a second he'd ever have to play with that chaos list. I think I think he I think he thought he was gonna at worst be playing yeah, with the salamanders. So I, I wonder if players might next time be like, well, there's four possible lists I could play. I should probably like get a little bit. Yeah, more I mean, we did we I did can. give them all uh, a, like you know at least a week, but I mean even a week isn't enough if you don't know the list, right? So it might have helped a little bit. And you don't know a hundred percent until well, well, in their yeah, case, about an hour what, half before, an hour. I messaged JT and was like, "Hey, I hope you guys got your your uh, cast guys out." And they were like, "Yep, yeah, they're on the table. We're good." But at the same time, that's not enough time to learn a list, especially a list as complicated as that. So, um, and it was the same with everybody else, right? When Manny and uh, Dan got their lists, Dan was like, "I know how to play Grey Knights. I don't know how to play this Grey Knight list." And it showed, uh, especially with Manny rolling basically all sixes on his invulnerable saves. Um, that didn't help either, but. It was, um, it's just one of those things that we're going to improve on next time for sure. There's some stuff I want to change in how we present the website and how we present the commentators because Adam and Paul did an amazing job, but I think we can fine tune um, how the how the round goes. So certain things happen um, at different times um, just so that we avoid talking over key moments in the game. There was a few times when I was watching where I was like, oh man, I wish we'd done that at, like, at this point. And I think we could just structure it so that happens. Um, so th- those are like some very small things, but they'll make a big difference in presentation. Um, and now that we have the the baseline that Val put so much work into on the production side, I think we can just easily make that stuff happen where we know exactly when to fit in an interview. We know exactly when we're going to do a prize draw, when we're going to go over lists so that it doesn't impede the, the flow of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't love, know about uh, easy. Sweating buckets the whole way through that thing. And the server we used is probably on fire right now. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting with the commentary stuff because we've gotten so close twice now to almost having it kind of perfect last year at, at las vegas open uh, we had an issue where the hosts couldn't hear pete in the field and so like they were comment basically they were on two different timelines like where, where pete was was about eight or eight ish seconds behind so we had to try to dissipate his updates and they couldn't converse so he couldn't actually directly talk to the people in the field whereas this time around we actually had a setup so that they were the the announcers were looking at this the same screen at the same time. Um, it was all synchronized well that way. Um, and then the thing is that we couldn't get the audio back from the table. So the goal was to have the the table audio auto duck or have certain scenes where they could be um, you know talking and commentating, and then they could say, "All right, let's go to the table." And then you go to the table, and there's a situation where the audio automatically lowers its level when the commentators talk say they want to comment on something while they're making fart jokes, jokes, and then they can be quiet, and then the, the audio comes back up. The thing is, they couldn't hear the table uh, due to a technical limitation, and so that just didn't work. So I, the, 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 the like back and forth over whether or not the players should be heard continues. They are, by the way. I mean, as much as some of us production types might want to resist allowing uh, player audio or having player audio 
seems to be a pretty popular concern from the from the uh, the crowd. So it needs to be worked in there some way cleverly. But like the amount of effort that even the most basic things we take for granted in a in a production, like pretty much every element you see on a TV screen on a live production is one person's job. You know, yes. like literally, like yes. someone like puts a specific graphic on. Um, so, you know, it's, it's finding ways to automate, finding ways to like, as Pete say, structure. Um, those are all things that I'm sure we could do to make it a much more engaging and interesting, um, and there's a big difference between commentating this kind of an event and commentating a tournament. Um, pretty much everybody that we had on stream were people that do this for a living now, right? Like they get, they make their money. Um, doing battle reports and talking through games and why they're making decisions. So in this case, like the table talk is is much better than you're going to get in your average tournament game, um, where you often get guys yeah. that are just like, "Well, this is garbage. I can't believe this is happening," but because they don't know, they just can't, they can't control themselves, or they're just super silent for no reason. Um, I've said, yes, and and that is that is why I very that's why I even had a plan to get table yeah. talk at all. Like <clears throat> normally, I would say no table talk. Um, but I figured there were times where we were just going to be redundant. Like if you're, you're commentating on tabletop Titans, you know, yeah, there's um, no need, there's no need, right? Cause game, they, you don't, you, we didn't need to be, this there, is how they make their know? money. Like, yeah. So this is how there's they make a bit of that. They bat rep, right? Yeah. Um, same with art of war. They're going through exactly everything they're doing and why they're doing it. They don't care that like John doesn't care that Nick yep. knows most of his plans, um, and vice versa because like they play each other all the time. Um, and so that, like, there's no tricks, there's no anything like that, that you need to expect. Um, so yeah, like, um, like you said, sometimes it's going to be redundant. And then there's, uh, when you're doing a live game, it's a lot different. So yeah, I mean, I think the big, like, I really like the format because yeah. of that oh, specifically though. The fact that, you know, if you wanted the, the, the people token, then you could just go watch the actual pros that are doing this for a living talk about the game and narrate it and everything. But if you wanted the, you know, like the co the the color commentary from the narrators, kind of like just bantering, like in a sports program, then you could just go to you know Stat Center and like yeah. you know and watch it over there, and it just kind of gave you like a different feel. Of the same yeah, and there's always situation. that thing where um, the third party sees something that you don't, right? And at, that's something I've said a lot about Adam is how good he is at reading a table and catching stuff that uh, the players may not see. Um, or, you know, and so a lot of times we did overlap because, like, these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. Adam's describing exactly what they're describing because he just sees it, right? He doesn't need the table boss as much as some other people might. Um and kudos, by the way, we yeah. did mention the table bosses, but I don't think we gave them enough credit on during the stream for how awesome they were. It's a lot of work. I did it. I did it. A lot of work. And anybody else who did it, like, good job watching and listening and yeah. asking questions and, like, updating the document that was there so that the announcers could read that document and actually be like, this is what's going on. Like, like we had Neil Kerr come well on, done. and he did uh, three games twice. He he filled in for me in the early, well, my early hours because I was trying to deal with my daughter, um, and he was just like, "Yeah, sure, just let me make breakfast. I'll hop in." Um, Danny McDevitt from Mob Rules came in for a game and was just stellar. He super helped the play on tabletop guys with one of their games. Um, Tanya, the War Mistress, came in and did a great job. Uh, Tony Pierce is like one of the unsung heroes from this event because he went 
balls out for uh, the entirety of it, I think, other than maybe three hours he was table bossing something. Um, so he was he was always on top of people. He was in Discord messaging people like, hey, I, I need help here. What's going on with this? He was talking to all the producers. Um, so, yeah, like th- these guys, they did such a great job. Skyri, you and Dustin helped the first day to get us through. Um, like um, it was something that I wish we'd we, – and maybe I missed it, but I think we I wish we'd brought up more live. Just been like, hey, this is the table boss we have right now. They're stupid good. Um, it's because of them we're able to do what we're doing now. Yeah, the the amount of people it took to coordinate all of this was was insane, right? There's essentially what 40k streaming is is it's conveying information to the viewer as efficiently and as entertaining as possible. Uh, you know, this is it's not something you can look at and go, oh, I know exactly what's going on. That's it's, you know, it's not like a sport. Um, you you can't tell. You need commentators. You need people giving you information, filling out the numbers, making sure they're accurate uh access to the lists like it's you need all that um i think you all did a really great job i think the format was amazing um i think we need every stream if you're a stream worth your salt now in 40k and you want to compete with the streams the tournament streams you need a floating servo skull head pro- you know <laughs> producer with a strong mustache uh kind of controlling what goes on the screen and what isn't on the screen uh i think you need something like that i think that's that's proven there's a reason why the big boys have big producers that get paid the big bucks uh, that just their entire job is to tell people to switch buttons on and off. And that's all they do all day. Ultimately, yeah, that you got to have someone above me, even where what I'm doing, because I'm trying to do both of those things at the same time. And I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I have no idea what happened this weekend. Honestly, straight up. I, I didn't know who was playing in the final round when we were doing it. And that's not too uncommon for me, but nonetheless, it's um, it's just it just it's uh, it is difficult to do that on the fly. And I think Peter's comment about uh, you know, evolving live coverage will it will require um, structuring the broadcast and and being a lot more premeditated about it. <clears throat> and I think really when you think about um, things that we could look to as models for how to produce an entertaining show you know you look at most live broadcasts they look kind of off the cuff and how they come but there's a whole lot of planning that goes into every moment their a stories their b stories their c stories you know when when they do what all that stuff is kind of storyboarded and we're still a fly by our seat of our pant enterprise for the most part and so that the and again the more structure that you do that direction the more you kind of have preset even though you don't really know what goes in those lines you, you at least know sort of that you need something to put in there. And so uh, you you can you know what you're looking for. Whereas the way we've run the last two, we've kind of been reacting a bit more. And also, frankly, you know, had we been able to do the BAO, you know, I think, I think we would have been able to carry over a lot more lessons we'd learned from last year's Las Vegas Open. Whereas, especially on the production for me anyway, it was a lot. It was like I, I learned a lot of things twice, unfortunately. So uh, it's, it's better to... Uh, able to do things uh more frequently and and in the future uh the more preparation ahead of time the better it is right i remember uh when mariana our media gal for the lvo uh came onto the scene um, we had a really good lvo and she pre-recorded uh commercials and pre-planned interviews with people that they would go to the event they'd have an interview they'd be interviewed by uh 
the life after life after the cover safe guys and it was yeah, a that's right. six that month one. was a six month plan in the making you that know, was she, the ori- those were the original uh goofballs uh yeah, the, with, with, uh, fuck, what's his name Blake and Ed no Blake and Ed but um the the guys like the the guys who used to do the the commentary before GW took it over come on oh no where's a bow tie um, Dave, the Daves, Daves, the, the Daves, Daves, which by the way, they, they, we also need to bring back the Daves too, for They're sure. Um, They're but great. yeah, the, the, the thing I, I want to see, um, going forward, uh, and I think the community is completely capable of this is front loading the, is front loading the, um, work, right? So you only had a month to prepare for this, but I guarantee if we'd given the Falcon and Val another month to prepare for the Las Vegas Nopen, uh, there would have been even more crazy stuff uh videos um like like val said b stories and c stories um you could do like a video of like reese playing with the kitten or something there was a there was a lot there's just a lot more stuff let's let's like a lot there was a lot in the pre-production where i would say hey can we do this or val would be like i'm doing this and then like the day before we were like there's no way we can do this it's just not gonna happen so (laughs) Although there's a fair amount of stuff that actually did make it. But, like, um, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, is and I think you see this in the evolution of 40K content in general. Um, it's, like, for... I, I don't... Like, it's kind of a novelty to have a bunch of guys green screened in together and, like, doing that. It's kind of like, you know, I'm a monkey that can dance. Like, look at this cool trick. But, like, you can also get to a point where that is just table stakes... And um, you're able to actually create stories with it. So the effort isn't in the technology and like getting over the hurdles of just doing this technically. For a lot of people, stringing a camera up, or at least a couple of years ago, this would have been difficult, but these days probably a bit easier. But, you know, stringing a camera up and, and getting it reliably on the stream with your sound working and it in focus, that's a pretty tough thing. Learning how to use OBS, period. Like just the technical hurdles alone. Are, are like kind of important things to get past. Once you have those actual hard skills and you're able then you're able to create. It's like anything creative, like if you don't know how to know to if you don't know how to hold a paintbrush properly or you know what I don't even know how you paint, but like you know the water mixture and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're not going to do a good really thing, but eventually to the, uh, eventually normal. you learn how those things work and you're actually able to create art you're actually able to, to create things that are, are really quite something and we're i think our ambition is getting closer to our grasp but it still probably exceeds it by a good couple inches yeah yeah kelsey uh in the chat in the patreon chat saying list text would be cool um i've always that was always my dream was list text and stuff honestly we did that at the ocho um the we had yes we had videos um from the players with why they did the lists and how they did them um, we couldn't get them all in time. Um, there was a few other issues. We kind of wanted them to be a little comedic as well. Um, and some people took them like super serious. And, and so it was, it was, um, it was interesting, like how everybody kind of handled it. Uh, Adam had some choice words for his Aussie brothers as they sent us like webcam videos where they looked like they just come off a bender. We're like, I took orcs cause I like them. And we're like, so, um, <laughs> but, uh, like, so <laughs> So next time, that's a big one for us, is to have, like, I'm going to line up. You know, this is what we're expecting for this kind of list slash bio intro um, so that we can make that a thing, because I think that would be very good. 
Um, some of the guys did excellent jobs and they released their oh, yeah. own, like Art of War and, and Titans. Um, and other guys, like, I wouldn't say they did poor jobs. They did what they could do. Given, given a script, it'll be better. It'll be much better and, and we'll have the time. And then Dustin, who was perfect. And Dustin's was absolutely Same. the best one. Yeah, absolutely. And I want everyone yes, to, if you haven't watched the, like, Overmind video that I posted on the Las Vegas and Open uh, Facebook site, do it. Because that thing is hilarious and incredible. And how I wish everyone had sent me my stuff. Now, I, I did give him a little bit of feedback, which is I would have liked to have heard, like, a little fart. <laughs> as he fell? A nice <laughs> fart yeah. as, he, as he falls. That, he, he went with the... He went with like a swear, like a bleeped out swear word instead. I would have liked just an accidental squeaker. That's what I would have liked. <laughs> but I mean, either way, it was an excellent production. That, that's the one where he was wearing the mask, right? Yeah. Well, he's in he's in silhouette, and like oh, he's, he's like, in silhouette. He's yes, got yes, the yes, voice that modulation would... on. Yeah, no, he's in the insect wings at the end. Amazing. Oh, such he's a another... mm, loved it. And he, he's got the fake. That's the voice another another drama kid masquerading as something else, masquerading as a forty k player. So. Uh, it's useful oh, to have man. us around. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so we, we we could actually talk about this. Uh, Val and Peter and Scar and I have literally talked about this for hours. Um, but this subject is a subject that uh, we probably will go on forever about. Unfortunately, we're on a podcast. We have a set amount of time to record this, uh, and we have a whole other part of the Las Vegas Open we haven't talked about, and that's the lists. So. If you're unaware of who the top two lists were at the Las Vegas Open, there was a bit of a Cinderella story, and then there That's was true. a list that I I didn't think would do really well. Uh, it looked really good, but I, there was just so many hard-hitting lists. I just didn't think this one would do really well, and that was Tank's Shield Wall Sisters Custodes list. Um, so, let's talk about those two lists. First, let's start with the Dark Eldar list. Skari, you played a Dark Eldar list against uh, some barbed hero duels uh, in an exhibition match at the start of the game. Um, your Dark Eldar lists are very different. W what made this one so good? What, what made it one list any of the players could pick up and use really well and, and win with? Well, I, I had the, uh, the opportunity to, to chat with JT uh, and make like we did a whole hour long discussion on his list and we went through every matchup and stuff so you know uh, I'm not going to go into like too much detail because uh, we are it's beaten to death however it is a list that is designed about like death by a thousand cuts it has the ability to not do a lot of close combat damage but it's got a lot of firepower that sort of like forces you to if you poke your head out, you're going to die. And it has lots and lots of small objective security units, which is MSU style. That's multiple small units, which is a very a style that the Dark Eldar do very well. Now, this list isn't, on paper, a very powerful list. In fact, the list itself was sort of like, I want to say, bet against by almost every single person that was announcing and talking <laughs> about, especially on the Spanish side, they you know they admitted that they had been trash talking the list the entire tournament <laughs> until it was in the finals. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Bizarre, who's the Drukari player on Deep Spain Games, um, you know, he was saying how he was felt so ashamed that now I was coming to like dis to talk about the final game with this list. The thing that it did really well is it just plays to the mission really, really well. And the list can stop you from scoring primary points and can then score primary points. So it stops you from 
like scoring and that's so important in this edition and it throws away little units that it doesn't care about you know uh, like little five racks here five cab lights here and then it has a bunch of little just random units like the core of the archon and whatnot they're fantastic for doing secondaries like engagement fronts and deploy scramblers and so it it on paper might not look too powerful it has the, the firepower with dark techno monster to wipe out squads and we saw that on stream like you know the the player would just focus on something and it would just disappear unless you know you're like Anthony and roll like a million saves. You know, it was it was awesome to see because then people like Brian Pullen or uh, Nick who ended up playing the list, you know, all they had to do was like play to the mission and they could play points, right? And that's how it got to the finals. Brian was losing. He had, he had no army left, right? Uh, but he was able to pull points out at the end. And that's what that army does. It just gets points and wins the game. Uh, even if you have no models left. It's kind of how the whole process works. I actually really... So we talked about this list last week on Chapter Tactics, uh, and uh, we talked about this matchup, and I believe I believe I picked the Dark Elder list to beat the Ultramarines, but then lose immediately. Um, I wasn't very high on this Dark Elder list either, uh, but the more I looked at it afterwards, the more I really liked it. Uh, the, the random blasters on the Scourges, it's really mobile. The Mandrakes actually fit like a, an extra little niche that I really like uh, and that they're mobile they can go anywhere on the board hide and you just don't want to shoot them they're mandrakes like it's they've got five additions worth of of meh attitude towards them protecting them it's kind of like a, so a pseudo good. plot armor so they're, they're good. really good <laughs> like <laughs> the time like they, they appeared for a little while at some point in eighth where they were seemed to be in vogue and i just remember them being the most annoying stupid little assholes to kill that's yes. all i remember about them I yeah no them. i i used to run three squads of five in my list and i would preach and preach and preach and then you know people you know ended up like appreciating the deep striking and just the shenanigans you could pull with them and it's the same in this edition they have a built-in deep strike this edition is about maneuverability and threatening multiple angles to like come in from different sides they they do mortal wounds and against like low toughness relatively decent armored opponents they have like just a lot of attacks for like a small unit that's just annoying to kill and changes the math enough to just to be frustrating yeah 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 absolutely um but i love the stark eldar list obviously didn't win it lost to a list that um i i seriously think it could have been a contender starting before the las vegas and open started but um it obviously was uh it's a really good list um in a sea of good lists and that's uh, of course tanks hashtag shield wall list uh it's it's basically that was great <laughs> um it's basically sisters um as you would expect with some custodian with trajan valor specifically excuse me not just some custodes the custode uh a don eagle jetbike shield captain um and two max mm -hmm. custodian guard units uh the shield wall <laughs> and it's sisters are so good sisters are incredible and i think a lot of people that talked about this list in advance they talked about why wasn't it mono sisters because mono sisters is probably better in a lot of ways um but it goes to play style it goes to your opponents um there's a lot going on there like if you listen to a lot of the hellstorm game tank is very big on the custodian guard because he's played into them so many times that he hates it um 
So he wanted to add that kind of durability to his to his front line, and you see he plays them very aggressively when he plays. He shoves them like right to the. Yep. He like first turn, it's I'm going to advance as far as possible towards you and make you shoot at these guys, um, but I'm going to cut off your angles, so it's it's not good shooting. And then they just survive. They survive so much. Hashtag shield wall. That was the whole point of it. And what we saw in the first game with Mikey, um, with his blood angels, which is a list he's very comfortable with, Mikey bounces off of them with all his shooting um, and then charges with everything, turn one, bounces off of them again. And that's basically why he loses the game is there's like a billion three plus invulnerable saves that get made. Um, and he doesn't know how to deal with it afterwards. He just his his kind of backup plan was like, well, this should have worked. He's like, always be charging. Didn't didn't work, and now I don't know what to do. Um, he still had a close game. It was still great to watch. Um, but Tank, Tank pulled it through based off the, the shield wall. And it basically is what caused him to win his second game because Mikey goes into the second game with Richard Siegler's Necrons. He's played Necrons before. He's not. He hasn't played this specific list, but he knows them enough. Um, but he says it right away. He's like, okay... I don't want to charge your shield wall because they're just going to make all their saves and then your repentance are going to kill me. But he needs to remember that Necrons are not blood angels and he has a billion bodies that are going to stand back up. And that was, that was yeah. really what lost him. The game was tank. Once again, super aggressive, took mid board cause he got first and Mikey took a turn where he said, I'm going to kind of wait this out. Um, and then he was too far behind on points and then he had to commit the silent King um, but Silent King had already been like blistered by Retributors because he didn't get him into combat right away, and um, that was it. Like he still made a game of it. He almost brought it back. Um, he needed a crazy Hail Mary in turn six where he killed like three Shield Guard and and Trajan or something to make it work. I can't remember all the details, but it was it was still you know only like a fifteen point game. Um, but yeah, so like Tank made a a great list because. It, it wasn't very complicated to play. It had tricks, but they were very, they were generally obvious if you knew it. Um, and so then you get, it gets taken up by John Lennon, who knows Custodes very well. He knows Sisters very well. And it leads to a very awesome final that, um, like, basically came down to a, a 15 point swing at the end of turn four when John makes a heroic intervention that Nick misses. Like, that's really it. And once again, it was because of the shield yeah. wall because he made like seven invulnerable saves on his on one shield guardian that had survived the rest of the game, um, like being blown away by well, ravagers. And there was a few things in that game that was so oh. so 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 close, uh, especially at the beginning of the game. You know, Nick had the opportunity to eliminate that one custodian with a good vec to the morale mm -hmm. test, right? And that just showed like. Yeah, okay, at that point, you know, little things like nuanced stuff that, that, you know, really help specific armies do well in the meta, you know, make a big difference when they're when they're being run by people who just might not remember little yep. things, right? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, that Mikey tank game uh, round two led to my favorite uh, stream event that happened, the whole thing, which was the Silent King getting killed on turn two, poking <laughs> his head out, the Silent King... Yeah, silent no more or whatever <laughs> Adam said. That that line was amazing. <laughs> I remember it specifically because I was waist deep in snow trying to watch this game because I really wanted to see this Necron list in action again. <laughs> so I'm waist deep in snow in the Char Mount Charleston Mountains in Las Vegas, and I've got I'm hanging on to the smallest sliver bar of signal that I can. My daughter is is making a snow angel. And then I see that the Silent King dies, and then I hear that Adam quote, and then I lose my bar, and that's it. It's gone. Dead silence. And I'm like, oh, but the Silent... I love how desperately you're trying to watch that game. It makes me very happy. 
Oh, I really also wanted to see. I, I wanted Seiko's Necrons to go all the way, just so I could learn a, a, about Necrons. Like I, I, I really wanted to see the Silver Tide. I really wanted to see. So we you know, know about. So we know about. Um, sorry to interrupt you, buddy, but I, the, like we know that the uh, the Chaos list, TJ's list, kind of maybe got a raw deal. Were there were there any other lists that you you guys thought kind of got I ripped think, off a little um, bit? No, the possessed, possessed list. Didn't, possessed didn't get ripped off. The Grey Knight, Knight list. list. The Grey Knight list that beat the possessed know, list. That was a list where, um, like, you look at that and the Grey Knights should win as long as the Grey Knight player knows how to play the list, even if the possessed list guy does, because it's Grey Knights into demons that can't get back up with a stratagem. Um, and Denith, with Liam, like, helping him, I believe he was there still, um, played that perfectly. Like, he almost won. He um he knew he had to to sacrifice all those possessed to win that game, and he did it. He just needed to slow it down for like one more turn. If he had like five possessed lifts left in that last turn, uh, he probably wins that game. But it was a game where he knew he was going to be tabled. He just had to slow uh, like slow the roll just a little bit more than he did. Um, the Grey Knights into Sisters, um, with Manny and Dan. I think that was the other one where I felt kind of bad for the Grey Knights because Dan knows how to play Grey Knights, but that list is way different than your standard Grey, Grey Knight list. Um, so Dan played it very much like uh, Manny's old Paladin bomb and relied way too heavily on the Paladins and not enough on like the sneakiness that those purifiers can pull off. Because if those purifiers get into combat, yeah. Eric is so so sneaky with his with his gray eyes. If, sneaky, if he if he gets the, oh, yeah. if he can convince somebody to charge the uh, purifiers with Repentia, like they Repentia will do nothing because they'll have a two plus invulnerable save that they have to get through. Um, yeah, they bounce, and uh, yeah. like a lot of people failed, uh, like miss that. And so there's little tricks like that. Um, and and Eric's just like a master of positioning. So and the Grey Knights need that. Grey Knights need a master of positioning right now because. Otherwise, they they just get killed, and that's what happened. Um, he did a he didn't do a terrible job, but Manny knew his sisters better, and Manny makes ridiculous rolls, as we saw when a, like I think at one point a paladin squad put, I don't know something like sixty shots. I want to say something stupid into a unit of like five retributors and didn't kill any of them. Like that was that was where I was like, okay, okay, Manny, I don't know what you're doing, but it needs to stop. I want this game to be entertaining, like, <laughs> like. But that's just the, sometimes how the game plays out. And um, so that was one where I wish in the third round it had gone gone a little bit differently. And maybe, and that's where I think next time if we have coaching um, or we work out some kind of new way to make the game a little more competitive where the, like the players that have that ability to learn the, the little tricks, um, we'll just make it infinitely better. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I meant by the possessed, I, I didn't understand the question. What I meant by the possessed list specifically was oh, okay. I wanted to see that list play every list. I wanted to see more, and I felt like yeah. running into Grey Knights. Really the only army was that like, was ah, going to give it that like, time. Like, <laughs> Yes, yes. At a tournament, that would be like the, the matchup you're trying to dodge yeah. the entire tournament. And then you pull like, it, you The know, possessed, I think, round. came out of nowhere so... for a lot of people, unless you were following a lot of the Aussie meta. Um, so you, cause, so you knew mm -hmm. like how Liam, how crazy Liam was with it. And if you watched Adelaide, you would know how absolutely disgusting it is to, to, to watch it played. Um, but yeah, like really, I think I had the possessed, if they could get past the Grey Knights, I had the possessed winning, but I felt the Grey Knights would stop them, um, just because of the players. Yeah. Um, but that was a thing. Like some, I know some people That's that fair. thought possessed would be in the finals and then sisters would beat them. That was like the, uh, that was kind of a, a, a lot of the people I knew were kind of considering it. Um, and I could see that too, but like the possessed hitting that gray knight wall, especially with Eric Lathoris running it, um, 
it, there was no way. There was no way they were going to get through unless they got real lucky and managed to survive that fifth round. Do you Speaking think in this format, in this format, do you think there would have been any any value in trying to pick the most like straight ahead balls out list? Like this is kind of yeah. like what Brian tried to do. That was his, that was his thing. List. Was like I'm going to make a list that's very much like I'm going to push forward and kill you. Um, and unfortunately, he played it, like it got to play Stephen Box, who knows Blood Angels like nobody else really, other than a couple other people, mm. I'd say. Um, and it was too straightforward. Well, um, like the, if you listen to Steven's commentary on that game, it's basically like looking at Joe and being like, there's no way you win this game unless you hide from me for literally the entire game. And we have the most boring game possible. And somehow you score five more points from me on, on secondary, because that's the only way this game ends right. with you winning. Like, it's going to be a super boring game of me chasing you and I'm faster than you. So you, it might not, that might not even work. And then Joe pushes ahead a little bit too far and 25 sanguinary guard die immediately <laughs> like so it really played out um uh, kind of embarrassingly i know there were a lot of brian pullen fans that watched that game and were like joe just like got wrecked and it, and uh, he didn't know what he was doing i don't think joe didn't know what he was doing i think joe mismeasured slightly um in a match that he was like 99 percent confident he was going to lose anyway and so like yeah i agree so speaking of uh fans and predictions and did anyone get a 100 percent bracket there was one guy the guy that won who didn't leave his contact information so i can't send him any las vegas and open swag (laughs) um the guy that won the bracket so if you're listening to this and you know you're the one with the 24 point score and you have some way to prove it to me other than just saying your name which will mean nothing to me there was one guy i think he made two mistakes like he had um he had tank win it he had jt um, make it to the semifinals. He thought JT was going to lose in the semifinals to Sisters. Yeah, wow, so what a two, rube. So that was, Should have that predicted was really that. The, he, he nailed the rest of the bracket. Um, so he scored like a 24 out of a possible 32 or whatever, the way Challenge works. Man, we just have a 40k Marnius Stradamus, like just... I think his name, I think the name he chose the was, challenge brackets. Works. So it's... Uh... <laughs> oh, he's lying. <laughs> Maybe he picked pick the ones yeah, with the jerseys right? he liked the most. <laughs> Anyways, that is it's great. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't really a person. Maybe he was that octopus oh, that yeah, called maybe. the World Cup. Maybe every <laughs> every World Cup. That octopus <laughs> has le- has long passed. But oh no, you're right. It, the cephalopods what... don't live very long, but they have very big squishy brains, I guess. Yeah. So, so anyway, maybe they transported that cephalopod's brain. Maybe it was a little corgi, and he and just like made it picked the... run around on the beach, and he tried to pick up wait, seashells wait. to figure out. I don't know. I'm into that. Cor- corgis are super cute, unless you <laughs> make know. them fat. I like yeah. that idea. Fair enough. That's. I'm gonna have my daughter pick the. Uh, she probably could have been a better, done a better job than I did. So I'm just gonna have her pick the teams next time. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, that's it, everyone. Um, that's the episode. Uh, Val, Peter, and Scari, are there any final words of wisdom you want to give to people uh, about the Las Vegas Open or um, anything 40K related? Or I mean, no related? wisdom. Just thank you. Thank you to everybody that donated. We broke. Yeah. We broke ten. We had we had ten k exactly as the event ran out uh, in terms of ca- Canadian dollars. I know it's not the same for you, Americans. Canadian. Um, I tried to switch it to American money on the, on the donation page, US. but it wouldn't let me because I initially chose CAD without thinking. Uh, so that's why if you see screenshots from like Paul Murphy, it's a weird number that we were trying to hit. Um, but yeah, we we broke ten thousand. <laughs> I think I think we're sitting at. 
$10,200 or something. And that's without the, the merchandise sales coming in, which will probably add a, a few hundred bucks. We'll see what it ends up being. Um, but yeah, thank like that is way more than I thought. I thought we'd make like 5k cause yeah. we weren't giving anything to donate. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of charity things will be like, Hey, if you donate, you have a chance to win something. And we were just like, please donate and, um, help us. And people did like in droves. It was quite, it was quite something. So thanks for that. And thanks for watching. We had roughly 2000 concurrent viewers. If you counted all the channels the entire time, um, when like Titans and play on tabletop were on like the bigger channels in terms of viewership, we were well over 4,000 more than once, almost 5,000. The Spanish channel, which I don't think we've uh, congratulated enough. Absolutely fantastic. No. Ridiculous. They don't, they don't need it. <laughs> they, they should patronizingly yeah, congratulate Ridiculous us. commentary from them. Uh. I, I was on the, on the channel for a few minutes myself. I had no idea what anyone was saying, um, but loved it. And they were like between 600 and 1,000 people the entire time, like – and we were streaming for them at like four in the morning and they didn't care. They were still at like 800 people watching just Rolling. loving it and wearing those yeah. luchador masks at one point. Uh, we need more of those. Yep. Just oh, such, yeah, such good that. guys. They were so helpful with us in the, in our like uh, preparation discord. Um, anyway. Yeah. Just thanks everybody. And by the way, those guys, so they, I had a, a connection to Zandre, I guess like through something we did on stat center and um, he just reached out. He's like, hey, can we do Spanish coverage? I'm like, sure. Uh, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. What should we do? I was like, don't know. Um, you can do what we're doing, which is like, I mean, they're <laughs> they're going to be playing these games. We're just going to steal the feed and commentate on them. Like, you can do the exact same thing. No, no one can stop <laughs> you even if I said no. <laughs> and so uh, they literally were a fully separate operation, and they actually added stuff to ours. Like we used their list, their list graphics. Like they were so those good. guys were fabulous. So they were so good. great, and they um, uh, the enthusiasm's awesome. If you look at Steve, if you look at the um, the the open finale video that um, is on the Frontline Gaming feed, um, it's it's like seventy percent Spanish oh, comments. Yeah. They, they thought it was um, so know, good. It was great. They thought uh, everything just, was so good. Just... I've been getting all these emails from Spain of people telling us how much how great we were. I can't believe like how how incredible that thing was. And um I guess like um we should thank like Army Painter because they donated so much crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. and Frankie donating the $1000 shopping spree. Um Parabellum Games, we did a little interview with them during one of the uh, just before one of the games. Um, we talked with them for a while about trying to do something for them. They were very interested, but they didn't want to, they didn't want us investing anything. They were like, Hey, like we have a new game. It'd be really cool if you talked about it for 10 minutes. And they were like, okay, do you want us to problem? The game has got to get and in. You this, interviewed them. Get the and Spanish to, they'll take over oh, the world. For sure. And, and then we were like, them. I was like, we could probably demo the game on our <laughs> exhibition since we lost all our exhibition stuff at one point. Um, and they were like, cool. It just took way too long for them to bring us the stuff. We, they sent it to Scary like a week before, and it's like they sent way more than we expected. It was like basically a full starter plus extra kits. They sent like the, like the full models. starter kit plus two like upgrade packs. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. And I sent you all the pictures. I'm like, that not it like three days yeah. before the scene open? Like, this is awesome. What's the uh, name but of the I game, don't... by the way? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't yeah. paint this. Um, although I did have like one of the Patreons be like, oh yeah, that's Congress is like a Greek game or whatever. It's like from, you know, and I was like, it looks okay, amazing. Cool. I was super into it, you know, and, and it looks really, it looks really fun. And the kit, like I even opened it and looked at the sprues, the, the plastic molds are fantastic. I was like, these, 
these. So they were just like, sorry, you can't. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, called Conquest. It's like a, it's almost like a Warhammer fantasy battle, oh. but they also do a skirmish game, which is what I thought we were promoting, but we weren't. We were promoting the the big the big boy. <laughs> um, no. And so the they were just fella. like, yeah, cool, whatever. If you want to just interview us for 10 minutes, that's cool. And then you can just give away that kit. We don't need it back. So I was like, what? Like, so sure. We just gave it away. Like, it was, they were so awesome. Um, everybody was awesome. Like, everything was awesome. I couldn't uh, couldn't have it yeah, go any other way. There was no bad, there was no bad. Yeah, the only, yeah. all the bad stuff bad happened app. in advance. Yeah, if you want to buy, buy from them, they have beautiful minis. Dangus, yeah. If you want to buy from Parabellum, Conquest. The Last Argument of Kings. They have some beautiful minis. I'm on their website right now. That's uh, eshop.parabellum.com. Yeah, cool. And it's Alicio Calva. Actually, yeah, it's, it's Alicio Calvatore is the uh, uh, the uh, game designer on it, who I believe is the lead dev on the much vaunted and Warhammer edition. Fantasy Battle Sixth, I believe. Yeah, he was wow. he was a big he was a big deal just as I left the hobby for the first time. So yeah, right on. Yeah, beautiful. All right, um, now. As we do at the end of every... Actually, you know what? Real quick. Plugs. Skari, where can they find you if they love Plugs for the plug god. Um, you can always go over to Patreon. Scardcast slash... Uh, Patreon slash Scardcast. I don't actually have a whole Patreon that is Scardcast. No. Um, but yeah, on there, I do Meta Mondays, and we do list breakdowns for all the Patreons every week, and it's a huge community of you know almost 300 of us now worldwide. Um, and the Discord's awesome. Yeah, so if you want to hop on, um, that's where I am. That's where you can find me. Hunk it right. away. You can find Val and Pete on the Frontline Gaming Network, sometimes Forge Narrative, the 40k adjacent show, 40kstats.com, and now the Ocho streams. The Ocho. The Ocho. Also, and all the Frontline Gaming stuff. I, I have the credentials. I got yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. All your base belong to us, Pablo. <laughs> yeah. All your base. <laughs> oh, no. Val has set us up the bomb. <laughs> I know that. I, I got that reference. All right. Um, of course, we wouldn't have this wonderful episode without you beautiful patrons over there at patreon.com slash If you want to support the podcast, head on over there. You get to access to the Facebook group. You get access to our Discord community. And, of course, you get to ask us questions that we answer live on the air starting right now also you get uh cool exclusive content like the interview with adam camilleri when we talk about the adelaide games uh matt and the masters gt that just happened in australia we talk about all that good stuff the best lists adam gives me his opinion on who should have won hint it's him uh and all that good stuff too so you get access to all that premium content as well so first patron question as soon as my internet loads up comes from <clears throat> drum roll i bet it's kelsey i bet it's kelsey. my internet just decided to Kelsey's crap out right, literally right now it was just like i'm gonna refresh <laughs> kelsey is always usually always first however oh, it's nathaniel henning this kelsey. time kelsey um <laughs> uh i he says i gotta say that the commentary oh so real quick i asked them to say their favorite thing about the Las Vegas Nopen as well, too. Um, so on top of the question, we're going to talk a little about what they loved about the Las Vegas Nopen. Nathan loved the amazing commentary all weekend. It was his favorite part. Could listen to Adam commentate on ice fishing and be completely enthralled. I agree 100%. And his ice question is... Ice fishing is high stakes, though. 
pretty pretty high stakes um the biggest surprise of the weekend what was the biggest surprise of the weekend for the folks on the podcast so what was the biggest surprise of the weekend for the las vegas and open for you guys how much merch we sold okay. which is more than the one hat you're wearing i was blown away by the support that we had for merch i know that's a lame thing to say but i couldn't believe it i, mean, I, I was, was happy really cool i was happy i don't have to pay shipping that. on all that merch now by the sounds of things so that's good hell yeah that. um I mean the the tabletop titans game was my big surprise because um, I was uh, during that game I was spending a lot of time talking with um, the art of war guys to make sure we had models for a sisters versus sisters match if it happened and there was a lot of back and forth about okay well how do we handle this situation that situation and I was watching the game and while I was watching the game I was like I mean there's every possibility Drukari wins this I know sisters is a better like list on paper brian's a good player he seems to have figured out how this list is going to win if it's going to win we'll just have to see how it plays out um so watching that game and how close it became how excited the uh, chat got i mean we there were three thousand viewers on the titans uh, channel at the time which is about a thousand more than they normally get maybe more we had probably five six hundred concurrent viewers if not more on our three channels that we were running um, Span Spain had I don't know like eight hundred people, so there's you know forty five hundred people watching this game, and everybody is hella invested because no one thought Drukari were even going to come close. And then like as the game progressed, you're like they could win this. There's actually like a a chance if everything goes right, they're going to win this game. <laughs> and then they did, and then they, and it was amazing. So that was my big surprise. Um, I was very happy with that to to have. A finals that I don't think anybody expected. Yeah. Yeah, All for right, me, now... the Dark oh, Elda was, was going to be it, but I was actually really surprised at how massive the Spanish <laughs> stream was <laughs> in comparison to, like, the normal streams that I normally watch. It was like, you know, the, 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 the front line, the, the, the stat center stuff and front line game was running. And then, like, just all weekend, that Spanish stream was like, Crazy, Bumping. crazy busy the entire <laughs> yep. time. I was like, that I did not expect that at all. That was super Todos surprising. Los and they were so excited. Todos. Like Todos. if you followed their chat, it was like, uh, yeah. oh, even the exhibition game, they were they were calling out uh, Dustin's um, hero jewels the whole time. Every time, like when the first one died, it was like it was like, oh no, Olos, uh, Olos hero jewels. And I was like, oh man, I love it. I love it. I'm so happy. Oh I my can't god, Peter, Spanish. I can do French. <laughs> well. It was, it was pretty uh, good though. <laughs> I it was Jaja Jaz galore. All, all, all the way through, uh, all the way like during the messages we were sending back and forth before. I was like, "Look, guys, you can do this, but I know you're gonna blow us away." Like I knew that they would because the, their show, um, La Voz de Horas, uh, is like very popular, and I knew that they had a good following. So I'm glad that they did come up, show up, and did blow us away. It was fantastic. Oh yeah, we'll we'll have to bring them back for uh, the Ocho Telemundo edition. Um, yeah, the actual <laughs> Ocho Telemundo. Yes. So we but, can have um, three. We can have the GW coverage. We can have the Ocho coverage, and then bona fide Ocho Telemundo. Yeah, I I actually um, when they reached out to us, and then they had the that team event. Um, actually, that was when I decided I would just stop underestimating what any other you know non English speaking community brings to the table with 40k. Mm. So like, if you told me tomorrow there was this you know French 40k community with this there French is. podcast that that has like you know tens and tens of thousands of people listening every month. I'd be like, yeah, that makes total sense. So <laughs> completely, I'm not I'm not surprised at all. Um, 
but uh, it's great. I love I love the global the globalization of competitive 40k and streaming, um, and it's only going to get better. Uh, all right, patron Kelsey, second, a little late on the draw by several okay. seconds actually. Um, I hope he's okay. Oh, he's great. He's in he's in the chat right now. He's having a great time. Um, but uh, <laughs> got two questions. One, how do you think the Pablo curse factored into Orcs not winning a game <laughs> and making it into the top eight? Real but question. Did, but Pablo, didn't you call that they wouldn't make it? Wasn't this the first correct prediction? I don't remember. No, no. Last like... last year you said Orcs not going to make it, and then they made it to the LVO. Yeah, and you then, then you're like, year, this is the first time I've said they're not going to make it, and they made it. So yep. I don't know what you decide to this do this time. This isn't a real LVO. It's an LV no. <laughs> so but I'm pretty sure that you did call it correctly. I'm pretty like we have to rewind the tape. I'm pretty sure I'm too. I'm pretty sure no. you called it correctly. So, someone in the comment section will let us know. They'll listen. They listen to last week's episode. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, you, you got it right. The orcs weren't going to make the top eight this year." Um, I I I think I did actually. I I think what I said was I expected one orc list to make the top eight, um, or at least win. But um. Anyways, a uh, real question. How does this weekend compare to other streamed gaming events that you've seen? And, and then also, he loved the event, loved, couldn't comprehend how Paul and Adam kept their energy going for so long. It's like they were allergic to dead air. Love that line. 100% accurate. Um, but yeah, how does this weekend compare to other streamed gaming events that you've seen? In general, I don't have much familiarity with it, but it, I think I think it's pretty unique as far as 40K streaming history is concerned. I think it was great. So. I th- I think groundbreaking. Um, I think we did. I think Val and Richard did some stuff that no one's done yet. Um, I think that we, as a community, and I've said this on like the adjacent show. So if you want to really hear my thoughts on on uh, on that, you can tune into some of the older episodes where I've gone pretty in depth with Rob about it. I feel we, as a community, need to up our up our expectations. I think that's a big thing. I think we need to, I I hear a lot of times when I see like an event, they'll be like, man, this stream was amazing. You guys did so good. And I want people to be able to say, Hey, you did great because you did what you could do. But we as a community can do way better. Like there's so many times I've been like, eh, I think it was okay. It was, it was what you had, but we should push ourselves. We need to push ourselves because, um, we can do so much more. I don't, I I want to stop seeing this was the best ever. I want to see like, constructive criticism so that we can make it what it what it should be i i I agree with you pete i think i think at a certain point we're gonna we're gonna plateau if we don't keep pushing so um but yeah all right patron robert what was his favorite moment his answer is yes i love that uh but he said it was amazing overall uh some of the questions was uh, what I what I'd really be interested to hear is your thoughts on developing a standardized streaming format with overlay camera positions, etc. For professional 40k streaming, and that's because uh, as he was watching the stream, um, it was kind of jarring and a little awkward watching different quality streams and different streams all kind of uh, switching between the streams back and forth. Specifically, uh, it was a little you know disorienting, um, which I, I kind of agree with too. I did I did switch over to the uh, I think it was the Tabletop Titan stream at one point. I think day three or, or late day two. Um, one thing and- that one thing that I noticed like in prep for this was as when the concept was hatched, like I hadn't really checked in very much on the state of streaming in a while, but everyone has gone to mm-hmm. what I could like the, the long edge medium shot that Tabletop Titans uses for the majority of their production, which is really good for presenting. In fact, it's very similar to the tabletop tactics shot, except there's two guys on one side of the table. 
Um, and so it's really good for, for presenting to the camera. It's not so great for commentary. I don't yes. know if we covered this, but so coming into it, A, it does make us a bit redundant. Yeah, what can you do? Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, and then B, um, it's hard to make it look interesting to actually sit down and watch. So actually, I did ask all of the channels if they could to spend more time either overhead or in an alternative angle so that we would have something better to have on screen all the time. And actually, uh, they did that. It was actually, I was as I was sitting there, I was like, "Holy cow! They're totally doing this for me." Thank you so much, guys. Again, another example of the incredible collaboration that happened. Yeah, yeah. I would say that the over-the-top camera angle for streaming um, was was definitely the like uniform, you know, thing that tied it all together in terms of from a visual perspective in the stream. Yeah, and it's you know, it's one you don't want to always be in, but if I if it's that or the like. Just hanging out this this side from the table from a commentary perspective, I'd, I'd rather be top down. But anyway, the other thing is too is that because you know from our production's concerns, like we could, we didn't control any of the shots, we didn't control the quality of the cameras or any of that stuff. So if we're on if we're on location again, um, there's there's a lot of stuff that um, I've been whipping up. We'll see how it goes. Maybe drone two point all sorts. I of think. Shit. Um... It's gonna be great. First time I swore all episode. Yes. I think um like on some of the honest wargamer stuff that he's done recently post Capital City Bloodbath, which I thought was already pretty good um in terms of camera angles. Um, I feel like that's the way to go if you're going to stream like a tournament game. Not not for what these guys are doing. I think what what Titans and um, Art of War do is is perfect for what they need. Yeah. Right. You have like you have like uh, two angles exactly. uh, plus this you know this back one where they where you can see the guys on the other end of the table and then you have a gimbal cam. Um, that's perfect for what they're doing. I think for a tournament setting, if you have two uh, o- overhead uh, cameras that that you can maneuver yourself, so have some like have the announcers be able to actually functionally. Uh, zoom in and move with these two on on angles one overhead of uh, top down for like a, a complete a completionist view of what's happening um and then something mobile um whether that's somebody with a gimbal cam or somebody um that is or like a camera that you can physically swing around the players um that would probably be the best so you can get like every possible good angle but there's a lot more control from either a director um, or the announcers without having to like stand up and move shit where they can just on a computer. Cause I, when I did capital city bloodbath, I loved it. I loved being able to just like zoom in on particular models and, and comment on how things were functioning. Um, and so, so anything in that regard, I think is the way to go. If we can get there, it's just a lot of money. It's a lot of equipment and a lot of money to make it look like that. Yeah. Those are a specific kind of camera, which each, even your cheapest, like, you know, off-brand, off-label uh, version of that camera is quite expensive in the hundreds of dollars, and who knows how long it lasts. Um, you know, the lowest of the low of those, uh, what are they, Pan Tilt and Zoom, whatever the acronym is on that. Um, you know, they're not, they ain't cheap, and they're also pretty awkward, so it's, it's hard to, to 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 use them in any any particular way hard to mount them hard to move them yeah so it's uh, it's interesting the mm-hmm. the challenges of shooting 40k in a dynamic way that that is both functional and aesthetically pleasing is 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 i think something that has not been cracked yet and then putting all those pieces together on on the fly also has not been cracked yet so yep, i agree I agree. Um, all right. Uh, patron Joe Joseph uh, says his favorite moment was the song at the end. Uh, and also Adam and Paul were great, which I agree 100%. 
um, with that. And then um, he, no questions, but he did um, want to just talk about the uh, list construction at the event, um, specifically the TJ's, TJ Lanigan's Bash Brothers list and the Science King, the Necrons lists, um, both unfortunately um, weren't used to their full potential, um, which I, I think is a, a fair a fair criticism for people, especially fans of those lists. Yep. So fair. Uh, and then patron Tom, um, will anything be done to have all players involved, not playing their own lists in round two? Val and Peter. I like the, I like the I think we already covered this. idea. I think that's the better way to do it, but, uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think we kind of, we discussed it. I, it's, I don't want both players to not know the lists because then the game's going to take like six hours. I want, I want somebody to just help them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Fred Fortman, biggest thing he got out of the weekend was getting exposed to so many different content creators. Um, I love that. And then um, he also wonders how many new subscribers each channel got because of this. I hope tournament. it was a lot. I really do, especially like some I, of the like some of the smaller guys that actually just do such amazing production work. I really hope. I really hope they all yeah. got like a big lift because that was. Um, I think that was a big con- concern of mine initially, like when we were first setting this up, was I want to make sure everybody gets done well by this that's involved. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not the largest channel, but I can give you some sort of like metrics on that from my perspective. You know, went uh, so I got a couple of thousand new subscribers on YouTube, so that was like quite aw- that was awesome. It was really nice to get exposed to more different people. And then for, like, leading up to the event for, you know, as soon as you started posting the Gleam stuff and whatever, and we started, like, really promoting the rest of the channels, it's like a constant stream of Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and, like, Facebook likes and shares and all that stuff. And there was, it was quite, quite an engagement, like, the community really engaged with all of the the streamers and all of the um, the channels that, that were participating in the whole in the it's, event. Which it's was awesome. very interesting to me the way social media works that we can be so insular about who we watch and who we listen to. Um, I was talking about this like I don't know a week or two ago. Um, I th- maybe it was, it was probably less than a week now. It was when Tabletop Tactics announced like you know hey you guys should watch the Las Vegas Open and you saw some of the comments that got on that like oh man um, we we were we thought you were. Um, you were kind of shilled on it when really it was just, you know, COVID basically made it so that they couldn't attend because we definitely asked. Um, but like I was talking to a lot of people and they're like, I've never been given an advertisement to watch tabletop tactics. And I'm like, they're the biggest fuck channel out there. How's that a thing? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah. and to me, yeah. it's like, I shouldn't play on it. To me, it's like, Hey, if, if these guys aren't getting that kind of uh, coverage from a giant portion of the community, um, and they're so big. What about all these small guys that are like jet? Like I'm not gonna say just as good, but I mean they're great. Maybe they are just as good. Um, like Hellstorm, yeah. I love everything they do. They're the I think we lost Peter. His coffee uh, times I think we lost Peter. and his humor, still oh, Mikey, but... um, and Georgie and that whole crew over there, fantastic. Like people should be yeah. watching these people, no matter how controversial the things they might say are, um, which isn't very. Um, and then um, like. <laughs> Glasshammer. When I first saw their some of their their channel views, I was like, "What is happening here?" Manny is an, an amazing guy. Danny's hilarious. Sure, they say mate and they say uh, boys and guys a little too much. Maybe they need to tone and that bro. down. So many bros. So many bros. But like, love the bros. Excellent quality stuff, and you learn so much, especially for like a newer 
player, um, Manny tones it like he tones it down for a guy that can just wreck your face in an event. Um, like all these channels need it, need it. They need that uh, that exposure. I want people to see um, what they can bring. So I was so happy, and I'm I'm thank thank you, Sky, for like letting me know that because that was a big thing for me. Was I want these people to to have that exposure, everybody. Yeah, no, it was it, it was awesome to see like and so many more people kind of like reaching out and, and and getting involved, right? And the whole thing about this is not just about you know raising money for like COVID relief and it's been like a crazy year where the events that we used to hasn't happened. It's it's really like just showing how this is a global community. It's not it's not it's not just like a like we're very insular in a lot of ways, but no matter where you go and you could go to a tournament anywhere in the world and play against anyone and it's it's the same sort of feeling that you'll get in like Japan than you would get here you know I mean it's it's such a global game and a global community and to be honest like the more that I've been involved working with people in the Warhammer community around the world it's like the most positive gaming community mm-hmm. in the world like it's inclusive and I, I I I'm just I'm really proud of of just meeting people from everywhere and just seeing just like the the variety that is considered normal and that's considered like okay to be like who you want to be right like it's it's awesome yeah i i honestly i'm under the impression that the majority of the 40k community are actually just really really nice people and all the salty comments that you read on like the warmer community facebook pages and the youtube stuff they're all from people that don't actually play 40k I'm going to say something controversial, and it's something I've always believed. I think that the tournament-going community, and this is controversial, I think there's a great filter that tournaments that tournaments cause. I think we are spoiled by fellow tournament players, because you have to, in order to keep playing tournaments, you have to not be an asshole, because you're going to see everyone's the same way all the time. You have to be able to get your stuff together enough to make a plan in the future, have enough money to pay for your transportation, all that kind of stuff, I think, just me, just... Uh, the quality of our community is fantastic because, and also you gotta be motivated. You gotta really want to do this stuff to commit, you know, a weekend of your life to it. So I think all of those things make the types of people who came out to help this 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 streaming endeavor to support something like the Las Vegas Nopen. The fact that this many people missed it and were able to take time out of their their days. We had on the, on the Ocho probably one of the underperform, well, one of the better performing uh, channels, I guess, for for the English stream for us. 9,312 unique viewers, an average of 287 viewers throughout. We gain, we gain 2,600 followers. And that's basically a channel that has been turned on twice. You know, we're at over, <laughs> over 4,000 followers. So, like, that's that's super, super cool. And the people who really work at this, I hope they got way better than even that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's go ahead and finish it up. Patron Shay wants to just say commentary was really great. Thank you. Paul and Adam were amazing, knocked it out of the ballpark. And then finally, John, his favorite highlight was when Steven Vox planned out his turn against Brian's Blood Angels list and then just play, like outplayed him. He's saying that people were saying the Blood Angels player was too reckless, but actually Steven Vox just planned it brilliantly. Nice. Yeah, which which I actually didn't watch that game, but now I'm going to have to wa- go back and watch that game um, because that's like the fourth time I've heard that uh, specifically. Oh, yeah. He's not wrong. Join that academy, but exactly what happened. Like, you play against the, one of the better Blood Angel, like a guy who's you know staked most of his you know fi- finances on being one of the best Blood Angels players, and also on just you know 
tilting his camera the right way so he looks a certain way. And uh, man, yeah, you're gonna <laughs> if you have to play him with your own blood angels, it's not gonna. It's go called well. the magic angle. <laughs> yep absolutely all right that's the episode everyone thank you so much for listening thank you so much to the patrons for subscribing remember to go on over to frontlinegaming.org buy stuff from frontline gaming keeps grab that express the, pass absolutely keeps the frontline gaming network windows open and then check out the ocho whenever it comes back on go to 40k stats center 40kstats.com on facebook i don't know plug in some way you don't want to miss the next potential super stream and that is all. Thank you, listeners. You're the weird. best listeners in the world. And as always, have a good one. Pizza being weird. Bye bye. <laughs>